Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, if anything we're going to talk about today interests you and you want to read the story for yourself, just go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where you will find all of the links that you need. Our first story of the week is Virtual Health Summit coming up soon. LGBT HealthLink announced its annual e-summit, which brings together leaders in LGBT health from around the world on a digital platform. This was actually an idea um, that HealthLink came up with years ago before the pandemic. This was um, always kind of a virtual summit, which was meant to bring together folks to talk about LGBT health in between in-person events that were happening. And this year, it's um, part of Centerlink's own summit, which typically happens uh, in person. That's where leaders from LGBT centers get together. Um, And so that's been made virtual because of the pandemic. And now the events are coming together to form one super (laughs) virtual event that kicks off on October 12th, which is right around the corner. So definitely go to lgbthealthlink.org if you're interested in registering and checking out all that great LGBT health content that is coming. Next up, queer Latinx communities impacted by pandemic. HRC published new data finding that Latinx LGBT individuals were more likely than other LGBT or other Latinx folks to have lost work during the COVID-19 pandemic. They found that they are, not surprisingly, struggling economically as a result of that loss of work. With 40% of Latinx LGBT folks facing cuts to their work, many reported having to change household budgets or even having difficulty making rent payments. Next up, Unpacking Disordered Eating Behaviors Researchers led by Jason Nagata found that LGBT individuals experience higher rates of disordered eating behaviors and body image dissatisfaction than their peers. For example, about 10.5% of transgender men and 8% of transgender women reported having been diagnosed with an eating disorder at some point in their lifetime, with body dissatisfaction likely being a significant stressor for transgender individuals. Our next story looks at stigma during the COVID-19 pandemic. A study from the Canadian government found widespread discrimination happening during the pandemic around lots of different uh, areas. So, for example, gender diverse individuals were three times as likely as cisgender men to report having experienced discrimination. They were also more likely than cisgender women to a lesser extent to have experienced discrimination. Meanwhile, racial and ethnic minorities and youth were also at higher risk. So when we think about people who may exist at the intersection of several of these different uh, forms of identity, that's going to be really concerning. And just thinking about all the types of services that one has to access during a pandemic, whether that's healthcare, whether that's some kind of an emergency assistance, or just getting around safely, you know, without um, feeling targeted or or at risk, it's really concerning to know that discrimination uh, is on the rise and that it's happening across all of these different factors. You know, not just any any one type of discrimination, but lots of of different forms of discrimination all seeming to rise uh, during this crisis. Next up, discriminatory policy blocks organ donors. NBC News explored the archaic rules that prohibit sexual minority men from donating organs. 
Now, this is a similar but lesser known rule to that which uh, restricts blood donations from gay individuals. That's um, an issue that we've covered several times here on the podcast in in the roundup. Um, This is a very similar rule, uh, but has been less under the focus of the media and also has not seen the same reduction in um, in kind of strictness that the blood donation rule has seen. So there are currently tens of thousands of individuals awaiting organ donations. And meanwhile, uh, sexual minority men are prohibited from giving organs. And scientists say that this is based on stigma relating to HIV rather than a a real, you know, scientific um, need for people to be excluded just because they are at higher risk for living with HIV. And finally for this week, Uprooting Biphobia. In recognition of Bisexual Awareness Week, The Advocate published a guide on how to address biphobia in others and in oneself. Noting that bisexual folks face disparities even when compared to gay and lesbian individuals, the article offers tips like not assuming a gay or straight identity when someone shares the sex of their partner with you. So, for example, if someone identifies as a woman and, you know, mentions that she has a female partner, not assuming that that means that she has a lesbian identity, you know, she could be bisexual, pansexual, or something else. Also, they suggest taking someone at their word when they said that they're attracted to multiple genders. In other words, don't assume that it's a phase or the person is lying for some reason. Take them at their word if they, you know, say that they're bisexual or say that they're attracted to men and women. Don't try to kind of decode, you know, oh, who are they really attracted to? But rather taking them at their word so that we are, you know, not having any kind of explicit or implicit bias against bi folks in our communities. And with those helpful tips, that concludes this week's edition of the LGBT Wellness Roundup. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And as always, if you want to follow up with anything that I've discussed today, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org, where you will find links to all of the great stories that I have just covered. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next week for another edition of the Roundup.